Welcome to the realm of magic and mystery, classic horror and sci-fi. You are now entering the House of the Unusual podcast with your hosts, Eddie and Joe. Welcome all you cool ghouls and friendly fiends to the House of the Unusual podcast. I am your host, Joe Pavlansky. With me, as always, is the maestro of Mail Order Mysteries, Eddie Guevara, and horror magician extraordinaire, Chuck Caputo. Right. Gentlemen, good evening. How's it good going? Good evening. Good evening. Good, good. All right, man. So, hey, welcome to the podcast, and we want to welcome everyone out there once again with us. And wherever platform you're listening on, thank you for joining us. Uh, hopefully, you'll subscribe to our our podcast feed, leave us a good review. And also when it's, when there's no more podcasts, cause I'm all of them out there, check us out on YouTube, man, under house of the unusual, uh, tons of great videos on there. Eddie and Chuck are always putting up something, um, fun and informative dealing with magic or mail order. So that's under house of the unusual subscribe to the channel. Uh, like our videos and leave a comment, man. Let us know how we're doing. Also, you could check us out at houseoftheunusual.com. We have a great forum site there that you could join for free, meet some like-minded individuals, and uh, have some great conversations and show off some of your your collectibles and maybe some stuff that you're looking for. There's, I tell you what, some of the stuff I've seen on there, man, it's I've been keeping notes and wanting to add it to my collection, especially some of the horror stuff that's there. So definitely a cool place to hang out. So. All right, that being said, uh, we're going to turn it over to our buddy Chuck Caputo and see what's new with him. Chuck, welcome to the podcast. What's new? And a hey, happy belated birthday. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, yesterday I turned 58. I can't believe it. Oh, if I would have known I was going to live this long, Joe, I would have taken better care of myself, you know. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, we all? <laughs> no, thank God, feeling pretty good. You know, we were, we were running around all day. We walked today at the local mall. It was just too cold to walk outside. So we, we did six laps, which is uh, three miles. So that was so that was pretty interesting, you know. And uh, yeah, so we're trying to maintain, you know, you know, keeping in shape even in the even in the winter months, you know, which isn't easy. And uh, I've been doing some shows, you know. It's just it's it's been so cold. It's very cold out here. I think in Pittsburgh right now it's maybe five degrees, but the wind chill is even a little oh. lower. Yeah, so we're gonna put the water on tonight on the spigots to make sure that. Yeah, I was just looking at the uh, the weather here, and it's it's seven degrees out. Feels like zero. Yeah, it's very very cold. Can't wait to go to work tonight because it's going to be. It looks like the lowest it's going to get tonight is feels like uh, with regular temperature is going to be three with negative eight. Feeling like, <laughs> yeah. can't wait. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, you gotta love that Northeast Ohio and uh, Western Pennsylvania weather, man. Yeah, we've been getting uh, hit pretty hard here. Everything and now the now the cold. I mean, we are overdue. It started off really mild, and you yeah. know, what? Uh, Groundhog Day is just around the corner, so it'll be uh, six more. You know, we we went to see him about six years ago. Uh, Phil at Punxsutawney Phil. That's the last time I'll ever go, Joe. It was so cold; it was ridiculous. You I mean, know what? I, I heard I heard that from several people that not only the cold, but it's it's so busy there, and you have to get you have to park. I guess it was it far away from the place, and then get bussed in. Is that right? there about 3 30 a.m and you go oh. to the wall and at that time anyway i don't know if it's still the same way now about seven years ago we went to the walmart so you drive to walmart and you hop on a bus that's right and they take you up to gobbler's knob is what they call it and you know what it was a very cold day just just you know pretty much like it is now now if it's an unusually warm day that might not be bad but when it's cold up there i mean it was ridiculous i, I you know that was probably the coldest i ever was in my life i mean when, when, when we were done, by the time the groundhog was pulled out and all that stuff happened, my wife was crying. I mean, she could hardly walk. I mean, it was it was ridiculous, you know. Uh, maybe, yeah, and that doesn't even make it fun, you know. You like, go to something like that, and you'd like to have a good time, walk around, maybe get some refreshments, and <laughs> you just want to leave. Then, <laughs> yeah. If I was in my twenties or something, maybe or high school, I could handle it better. But no, it's just. You know what? If you're going to do it, I'm not saying don't do it, but do it while you're young, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Let yeah me get this, I was going to say, let me get this correct, Joe. I'm sorry. 
you drive that far to see a groundhog? Yeah, we drove. It was about two hours, I guess, about a two-hour, hour-and-a-half drive from uh, Pittsburgh. I mean, you know what? It's a beautiful place, Punxsutawney. I've done shows down there. It's a very, very nice town. Oh, there, there's people that come from all over the country to go. Yeah, that's that's the biggest. I mean, there's about four or five other groundhogs, too, but Punxsutawney is the most well-known, the most popular. I mean, you know, I was glad I got to see it, but it was cold, man. I mean, dangerously cold. Oh. Yeah, I tell you what, I speaking of Punxsutawney, that movie with Bill Murray, Groundhog, oh, that, that's one of my all-time favorites. <laughs> you know what? That is almost like a Twilight Zone, that movie. That's really yeah. cool. Really yeah, it cool. really is. <laughs> but when he keeps he keeps waking up and he sees that, uh, uh, who's that old buddy of his on the street with the, <laughs> the hat and the glasses? Uh, he ends up punching him that one time because he's so sick of seeing him every morning. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. That That is a cool movie. Yeah, definitely one of my favorites. So, yeah. So, hey, uh, Eddie, what's going on? unusual? I, I know you got some some cool and new information for us, hopefully. Well, I, I one thing that was kind of interesting is with the new magic set that's up on Etsy.com, I noticed that there's actually three or four people have it in the bag. And I'm like, wow, those are all the sets already. I found that very interesting, you know, that they had put it yeah. aside so quickly. Now, the other thing that's been going on, when you guys are saying Groundhog, no, I've never watched the Groundhog Day film. Uh, oh, man. Eddie, come on. Yeah, you I'm about watch. to. Um, that's it. We're, we're kicking you off the, the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I never even knew that there was a place you could visit and, and take a look at a Groundhog. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, before we go any further today, we have to remember it was Chuck's Day. So, Joe, join me with a happy birthday. Ready? Happy, happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Chuck. Happy birthday to you. We definitely won't make it into any Cargony Hall, that's for sure. (laughs) Anybody out there, just contact House of the Unusual. We're available for birthdays, weddings, and any kind of thing he needs. (laughs) Oh, yeah, uh, bar mitzvahs. uh, Bar mitzvahs, backyard parties, whatever you need. (laughs) What I was going to say, and this, yeah, anything they need, just remember, just we're number one singers in the country, probably get platinum hits each time. (laughs) We will Um, sing for anybody and we will bring earplugs for you as well. Yeah, we'll supply your own earplugs. Yeah. Uh, but what I had in, uh, that I had in mind for today's talk, which is very interesting, is I was looking the other night, about two nights ago, I was looking on the um, forum, and I noticed Dr. Saab had posted uh, a few days ago concerning what magic cards or what mar- magic deck did American Circle Corp sold in the 70s. Um, because it's, you know, you had Honor House, Johnson Smith, and American Circle Corp, and they always had a magic set, which were Mark Deck, or Mark Deck. Um, I told them at the time that I believe that most of the cards had come from House of Cards, Haynes House of Cards, right. which is a very famous, uh, ma- you know, card maker. I remember in, back in 1989 when I had my magic shop, I used to purchase my magic cards from them. The Haunted Deck, a a few of the decks. Now, original old Magic cards, when they came to you, they always had a rubber band wrapped around with the instructions outside or a piece of paper around the actual packaging that would say Haunted Deck. And, you know, like the old-fashioned Magic packaging, which was, you know, cheap and stuff, not like super modern. Um, He came back saying that he believed it was the S.S. Adams uh, Mark deck because of the fact that he got it from where he ordered, I think, from one of the, he posted a picture of it. Now, I do recall, but I see S.S. Adams always being a little bit more on the expensive side than other novelties that came from China at the time or other parts of America. I think mostly S.S. Adams cars were basically sold more like through companies such as uh, Magic Shops in individual cities throughout the nation, in racks. But I never really thought that they were sold as magic. Now, it could have been because since he said he did order it, I believe it might have been one of the um, companies. Like I, I think it would probably be Johnson Smith because I think they did sell like a higher-end product than, than the others. Or it could have been American Circle because American Circle, anybody who's ever dealt with them and stuff, will notice that American Circle tended to be more like an adult audience because 
A lot of the ads from the 1970s for American Circle deal with uh, cigarette uh, stuff, like cigarette magic, snowstorm tablets, exploding cigs, um, stink roofs, which is something you stick in the corner of a cigarette at the end, and then it really stinks. And there's another one that I think they sold as well called Petrified Cigarettes. And that's like a little rod you stick it all the way through a cigarette, and then when the person's smoking it, the ashes don't fall off. It's really funny. <laughs> um, so anyway, that's what I was saying. It, it is a possibility that the ones that were sold in American Circle happen to be um, SS Adams cards. That could be definitely a, a good possibility. I know Honor House would probably not sell those. Uh, they sold more, even though my favorite is Honor House. I think they sold more some stuff on the cheaper and than American Circle. And, and Johnson Smith would follow Honor House. They probably sold the same mediocre type of things. But the reason I mentioned this is because I came across after I saw Dr. Sobstein and I actually spoke with him on the phone. Uh, we were talking about the different magic cards and stuff of the time. Now, I came across one that I don't remember where I obtained it from, but it's called Number 8 Pastime. I think that the name is Pinochet or Pinochely because it's P-I-N-O-C-H-L-E. And then I also came across a Houdini deck. Now, this is, I think, a much more modern. It has Houdini in the back of it and stuff. And it's um, it doesn't say what company makes it. It just says Houdini deck. I can't really see. Oh, October. Well, that's the date of his death. It doesn't show. And then I came across another one that is made by Paragon Reese. I think it's the name of the deck. Paragon Reese, yeah. Uh, Chuck, uh, you want? I think all these decks that I'm talking about are marked decks. So I have three in front of me. That, now Houdini is not a marked deck, but the Paragon Bridge or Paragon Reese R E I S S is, and so is the other one I just mentioned. Uh, which again, any of these uh, decks, depending on the year where they were sold through the mail, probably was one of those. Um, I'm sure that all these companies from American Circle to Johnson's during their time, they, stuff, they alternated and, and used different products. Now, one of the things I'm going to say about that is, say, for example, in the 1960s, late 60s, like 68, 69, where they no longer had the six-foot Frankenstein available, the one in full color, Honor House still offered the ad, but the Frankenstein not being available, they would send you the seven-foot plastic one for the dollar that you would get the one, you know, so the ad would say six foot Frankenstein, but you got the seven foot green because they, they will alter the stuff and send you a different product. So that's what I'm trying to say. I know from the history of Honor House, they did that very quite often. And, um, but anyway, uh, Chuck, I wanted to ask you about that because you're more like an expert on cards and stuff. What do you think about what I just said and, and stuff? Yeah, I think you're pretty spot on. I think the majority of cards at that time era were some form of a marked deck. The uh, the land marked deck has been many, many, many years. As a matter of fact, that was probably one of the first ones I got. And that was a higher end deck. Yeah, that was not a that was not a cheap deck. And you mentioned a lot of the Adams uh props or or the different types of uh, things on racks that's exactly true out here in pittsburgh uh where i grew up there was a there was a few woolworths uh here and man it was neat maybe about three times a year they would they would get these racks in of all ss adam stuff that'd be blister carded all the pranks i think that the land deck if i'm not mistaken was one of the decks that were in there it was you know what for that time era yeah that was a little bit more expensive you know and then uh, uh the mail order places carried cheaper uh marked decks you know now, you know what? I have quite a collection of antique cards, but most of them are fanning decks, uh, you know, you know, from Abbott's, Tannins, and so forth, which which uh, throughout the years, they made some really beautiful fanning decks of cards. The uh, Piotnik cards come from Belgium, and uh, they're, they're really nice, too. You know, uh, some are fanning cards, some are not. And the uh, Pinochle decks, which is what you mentioned before, yeah, th that's a different type of a deck. But, yeah, I think the majority of the cards at that time yeah, what you're speaking about where some marked marked decks and then i remember when i was in grade school probably eight nine years old uh that was when marshall brodine came out with his tv magic cards and uh they were uh, pretty cool you know they sold them blister carded they were from the kit itself 
So those I do remember. That was probably early 70s, 73, maybe 74, somewhere around there. Yeah, well, when you had the Marshall Borden decks, those were, I believe, back in those days would sell for like $399 or $299. So they right. were definitely too expensive for the mail order companies because the mail order companies only yeah. sold for like a dollar. Right. And I was considered, you know, um, a, a very good magic deck, whatever. Now, I, I think I ordered mine, if I'm correct, from either Johnson Smith or Honor House. I didn't order from American Circle uh, that I could remember. I don't remember. Maybe I, because most of my stuff, honestly, I used to order only Honor House stuff. And Johnson Smith, I got the x-ray glasses from Johnson Smith because they, they had the ad that showed you the actual glasses. Yeah. Oh, so in yeah. your mind, when, when you're a young kid, Chuck, you know, and Joe, you think what's in the ad is what you're going to get. So even though you're going to get the same product from two different companies, if one didn't have the picture as, as the way you wanted it, yeah, you would automatically go towards the one that did have the picture. Right. And, and you, but, you know, so that's how I would buy between Johnson Smith and Honor House. And Honor House. Now, yeah. one of the things I did get, um, which uh, this is why I'm saying for American Circle that I did order from, that I wish I would have ordered more stuff from them as a kid, was the uh, exploding fountain pen. And now they did send you an SS Adams pen. So that's why I'm, I'm, I'm more like on the side of Dr. Saab. Uh, when he asked that question and, and he said that he thought it was the Delancet from um, SS Adams, mm -hmm. I think I could see um, yeah, the company, yeah. American Circle, uh, you know, selling the more, the, you know, more advanced, uh, whatever, SS Adams. But um, the fountain pen was great. Now, the thing with SS Adams, uh, that not SS Adams, the thing with the uh, American Circle I always wanted was the 25 Lessons in Hypnotism. And the funny thing is the one this now we're talking about the 25 lesson with the, the guy hypnotizing the woman with the stars in the background. Right. I would read that ad over, over and over again. And based on that ad, for whatever reason, I don't know why I was not inclined or I didn't have the money to order it at the time. Mm -hmm. Or I kept saying I was going to order. I think I had a little bit of fear in hypnotism at the time because it was also a fear that. You know, like, I, I forgot how I got this into my head, but, like, if you hypnotize somebody, they wouldn't wake up. <laughs> and, you know, th those are stupid fears. But I remember going one time to, um, in school, when I was in grammar school in New York City, that they took me to, um, I think it was a guidance counselor or something. And I was under the impression that if the guidance counselor or psychiatrist, whatever it would be, you know, they knew how to hypnotize people. And I remember I went to the guy because I forget it. I, I need a special help in reading or I forgot what it was. And I asked them if they could teach me how to hypnotize. And I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> but <laughs> they said, well, we could discuss it, you know, but it didn't say no or yes. Yeah. But it, was, it was kind of funny, though, because um, they actually went along with me and they actually were the one guy I remember was teaching me. And he would say for me to stretch out my hand, close my eyes. And and then, you know, he said, your, your arm is getting heavier, heavier. And when it gets so technically, I don't know if he was actually using the real thing mm -hmm. or not. But for whatever reason, that ad intrigued me. That ad called my attention my entire life. Mm -hmm. And then when I finally was able, of course, got married and stuff and I had the magic shop, I started thinking, hey, I need to search and find 25 lessons in hypnotism. <laughs> At that time, this is prior eBay. We're talking the 80s. The only thing I can do was there was a magazine called Toy Shop Magazine. And they, it was kind of like a National Enquirer type of magazine. But it, it was kind of like a newspaper slash that all the people that sold toys, old toys and stuff, used to list on this. And this is where everybody got their collectibles. And it was very popular. And I remember looking through and making about $300 worth of long-distance phone calls yeah. to magicians and stuff, trying to find 25 lessons in hypnotism. Wow. Finally, some guy out in uh, Chicago had a copy and I got it like for 10 bucks off for him. The only thing with this copy, though, that was kind of crazy is it's one of the very, very first editions. And it, all it did say was 25 lessons. It didn't have the guy hypnotizing the girl on the cover, which was a later issue, I think. Like the first one was like 1930s. Later was like 1947 when it, it came out. Um of course, growing up, uh, also realizing that the original American Circle, they kind of copied the, uh, the the artwork directly from the House of a Thousand Mysteries, 
which was Jack uh, Jack Lawson, which is you could say that every mail order company of the 70s, early 70s, late 60s, because Jack Lawson started like in the mid 60s and stuff or, or a little earlier. But I'm saying that his catalogs were f- so phenomenal. Most of the stuff, people just copy the artwork right off of him. Mm-hmm. And you could see it now. American Circle had two ads for the same thing, which kind of threw me off as a kid. Why were they selling 25 lessons for a bu- the book <laughs> for a dollar? And then they also had 25 lessons with a free hypno coin. I said, you know, it's kind of looks like the same thing. So I wasn't sure what it was. But anyway, after I obtained the book, eBay comes around. Then I'm able to get not one, but I got probably 25 copies of the darn book. Uh. <laughs> and the funny thing about it, Chuck and Joe, is that I kept buying this book and buying and buying. Even when I see it today, I tend to keep buying the same copy. But then lo and behold, after, I guess, I, I mean, I always saw, because uh, when I took over Fun Factory with Lou Wise, I noticed that we had 25 hints with a free hypnocoin and the 25 hints i realized were actually lessons when you read the paper mm-hmm. so i started realizing after years and years i said you know what man what american circle corp was selling and i realized that when there was one that went up for auction for like 130 dollars on ebay and i i lost it by like five minutes when i wasn't working i almost cried i'm like oh my gosh all my life, I wanted that piece of paper, and I thought it was the 25 lessons. And now that one came out that said American Circle in the back, it was actually 25 lessons, but they're like hints. And it came with the free hypnocoin. And then I realized where well, they ran two different ads. They ran one was for the booklet, yeah. and one was for the other thing, for the uh, the hypnocoin that was made by uh, Vary View, which was a very famous company back in the 60s and stuff, that they used to make all the... Um, what they call lenticular disc and lenticular signs, like vote for President Kennedy and right. Johnson and Nixon. They had all those, which I have some of those original. But Vary View made the hypnocoin for whoever was selling it. There was a very famous company in New York that sold the hypnocoin. I don't remember the name quite right now, but it was very popular and it was sold in all the comic books. And then, of course, American Circle took it. Johnson Smith took it. Honor House had it. But I realized, and then lo and behold, thanks to my friend, which uh, he was supposed to be on today, but he kind of said he wasn't ready today, Todd Mitchin, the man, the legend, who has taken over the Sea Monkey Empire and has left very little time for House of the Unusual. But that man was able to send me as a gift, which I was shocked after I sent him the glasses for the water, the uh, the the uh, undersea view, whatever from Transcience Corp. At the time, said Honey Toy Industries. He sent me in exchange, like as a gift. He sent me one of his original twenty-five lessons in hypnotism. Wow. Uh, card. Now, the funny thing about this is that me and Dave Harvestat, with Acme House Novelties, we duplicated our own lenticular disc being about half inch bigger than the original. And this prevents copies or people trying to sell them off as originals, you know, because that, that wouldn't be fun for anybody. But anyway, it does say in the back, Acme House Novelty, it's about the size of a 50 cents piece. Or should I say the original was the size of a 50 cents piece. Mine and, and Dave's is more like the size of a, of a dollar. The silver dollars from the past that were a little bigger. Um, Dave and me were trying to obtain through because Dave has a, a huge line of people he knows that collect magic, that collect all sorts of things from the 60s and 70s. And he buys, in fact, Dave's Harvestat, uh, um, Harvestat and Ewing Auction House, that's Harvestat and Ewing Auction House, auctions either on consignment or they purchase magic uh, stuff from all over the world. And I'm talking about some of the posters he sells are anywhere from fifty to a hundred thousand dollars. It's not a cheap auction house, and he was looking for that paper so that we can make duplicates of the original and put it together with our hypnocoin. And believe it or not, he paid four hundred dollars for a simple paper and drove four hours, three hours, I think, to get a hold of it. And because the one that I think I had as a kid, I I, I don't know if I lost it in the fire or maybe one day it's going to pop up somewhere. But um, the, the one that I got was actually from the Fun Factory. When I opened up the Fun Factory, I was able to get a copy of it. But 
but I didn't know it was kind of the same with, with the American circle. The only thing back, instead of putting, uh, I think it was the, the one that sold was Jaru, like J-A-R-U, I think was the name of the company that sold it in New York. But it, instead of saying that, it actually said American Circle Corp. And then fast forwarding, uh, as time went by, about a few months ago, uh, Todd again blew my mind when he was able to get me like a booklet format of the same flyer that came across eBay. I don't know how much he paid for it. He didn't tell me. I'm sure it was over like $5,000 because I know Todd loves me that much and he would, you know, definitely <laughs> spend that much money on me. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, the, what I was going to say about that is I was able to finally get two copies, weird copies of it, and then I was able to get on eBay uh, for like 80-something dollars, another version of it. The same thing. It was old, but, you know, they're all American Circle. But I do like that because that ad, the ad itself, even though I didn't purchase it as a kid, the ad itself actually, I could say, made me kind of what I am in the field of collecting because based on that ad, anytime I sold and I was very much into hypnotism, I spent years and years buying hypnotic books and I probably have anywhere from 40 to 50 hypnotic books and records that were sold through the ages. And that was all courtesy of that ad. So that's how much... That's what I'm trying to say to a lot of people out there. When you're growing up in the 70s, the comic books you read and the ads you read become to you like an iPad. The comic books become the characters in comic books like Richie Rich or Casper or even Spooky and Hot, Hot Stuff, The Little Devil. Those characters to me were like watching a film. I spent every, oh, yeah. every night reading those comics, you know, and Chuck. And I spent like days and days and I would read one each night. And then when I looked at the orders... I would, I mean, the mail order stuff, I used to go crazy trying to dream and think what they were. Oh, yeah. And, you know, guys, everybody has a friend that tells you it's this, this, and that. Well, I had a friend that did that. I don't know where the heck he got his information, but he definitely, you know, he always told me it was like this and this, and I believed everything he said. <laughs> and um, <laughs> one thing I'm going to tell you about the racks. When you say, yes, um, S.S. Adams sold things on racks for years and years. Growing up in New York City, which is bizarre to say this, and with so many stars stores around me, I, I grew up in a up in a hundred and seventy something. I'm not going to say the exact address uh, between Broadway and Saint, Saint Wa um, Fort Washington. I could tell you something about that thing. All the shops that were there, all the Woolworth, all the stuff that none of them had an SS Adams rack back in 1971, 72s. When I went to a shop one time and I saw one of the cheap Chinese version joy buzzers that came with the poly bag and the little thing stapled to the top, the header, oh, yeah. I went crazy. <clears throat> I was like, wow, that's the best toy I've seen in ages. And they were 50 cents. So I got my grandmother to buy me one. Man, that thing broke within a week. Oh, yeah. I think I used it twice. Then I went to get a second, but the point is that's the first time I saw magic novelties being sold yeah. over the counter. Now, in the George Washington Bridge, there was a, a kind of like a Hallmark gift store, and they did have magic tricks they sold. That was the only place I think that's so, but it wasn't on racks. You would go outside the window, and they had a big uh, piece of wood with a cloth over it and it had like maybe 10, 20 magic tricks and stuff on it. And I would go there whenever I could and purchase one of them. I remember my favorite one that I purchased there was the keen touch mummy from SS Adams. Oh, that's cool. The, yeah. You know, the one you tap in the top and then it falls yep. out of the sarcophagus, whatever it is. Right. That, and you know, and I bought their pennies to dime, the little red box. They were all SS Adams stuff. They did sell there though. Oh yeah. They were expensive. You know, the, order i ever since i think i told craig tarbeck when he was on here a while back i was it was about 1969 i think i was in kindergarten i saved up my allowance i i cashed in uh pop bottles i got i got the money from the stores for a whopping four dollars and i sent a johnson smith order and uh and man i tell you what i got the color changing handkerchiefs i got the lesson in uh, ventriloquism uh by edgar bergen I got cigarette loads, like you mentioned about the cigarettes. I, you know what? Back in those days, everybody smoked. I mean, my mom and dad, my aunts, everybody. So I, I, I snuck those cigarette loads in their cigarettes, and they were, 
and they were filterless. So, <laughs> so they'd light the cigarette, it would explode like a banana and it, and it, <laughs> and it tear off that end and it flip it around and put the other end in their mouth and it would blow up on the other end. I put them in both ends. It was hilarious. Oh man. But, uh, but the uh, ventriloquism course, it came with that weird bird warbler, which is, which was absolutely useless. I mean, that's, that's the prop they used like in the old Punch and Judy puppet shows just to make weird noises, you know? And so, yeah, I, I really didn't learn a lot there. I mean, I tried. And then years later, I bought a course from Lester, uh, which is how I learned ventriloquism. It was, a, it was, I think, a 12-cassette course with a booklet. And I bought that through uh, George Schindler, which he's still around today. He's in his 90s. He uh, ran a business, I think he still runs, it's called Showbiz Services in uh, Brooklyn, New York. And so I bought the uh, Lester's Legacy, which uh, the Lester I'm talking about was the one from Vaudeville, not uh, Willie Tyler and uh, Lester. But that's why I learned ventriloquism. I'm, you know, I'm basically self-taught with that. And uh, I also built the ventriloquist figure, which I still use. Uh, I bought that, ooh, 1982, 83. And uh, so it's still going strong. I mean, I had a, I had to fix a couple things on it here and there, but it's it's been almost 40 years and it's still going strong. You know, now, do you incorporate any of that into your show anymore, Chuck? You know what I did for about thir- uh, for about 32, 33 years. And then in recent years, I kind of weaned off the ventriloquism. It was just, man, I carry so much stuff, Joe, already. It's yeah, like, I can imagine. I said, you know what? I got to cut down something. So I cut the ventriloquism out, but I still like ventriloquist uh, stuff. You, you know what? I, I Like I have about maybe three uh, dummies, if you want to call them. And I have hand puppets and so forth, you know. You know, you know what? And I learned it the right way. I mean, like I could do the distant voice. I talk over the telephone and so forth, you know, and everything. And, uh, you know, it's it's called the distant voice. It's actually throwing your voice where it sounds like it's coming from the, from the phone or something. Uh, if you check YouTube and uh, search, uh, you know, Chuck Caputo doing ventriloquism, I think a couple things will pop up where you can see me doing it. But uh, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, I used to combine it. I would wrap up the show with a brief uh, ventriloquism act, you know, and it was, it was very, very popular. You know, it worked out, it worked out very well for many, many years. You know, guys, I'm, I'm going to say one thing, especially when you said that the throw, uh, it was actually called the bird wobbler. They used to send out to you, which I got like, I guess, I don't know, 200 of those things. Mm-hmm. Cause they bought them from uh, D Robbins, actually, believe it or not. And when I had my magic shop, but I, it, it blows my mind that no kid ever got choked on that. Well, that's the thing. I almost choked on it, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> that is and, so dangerous, man. It had metal. Yeah. It's not like, yeah, you could choke on it. And the funny thing about it, they sold it to eight-year-olds, five-year-olds. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Right. right. But the bird, and another thing, the bird wobbler, when you bought it, it was called Throw Your Voice, and they sell it for 25 cents, later yeah. on went on to 50 cents. Mm-hmm. Oh, you get a little booklet. And what the booklet they're talking about is like a business card folded in half with only one page. Yeah, <laughs> that's the booklet they gave you, and it had a little ventriloquist guy sitting on some kid's lap. Yeah, a line artwork, and then you got another thing for the bird uh, wobbler, which was another little insert that went in there. This is no bigger altogether; it's no bigger than a business card. And yeah. you got the wobbler, and they would throw a rubber band around it, and. That's how you called anyway. That was called Throw Your Voice in Honor House. I thought it was great. It's something I always wanted mm-hmm. because it would say throw your voice into trunk behind, you know, right. doors. And right. you of course the ad again sold to the poor sucker. Yeah. The product, yeah. right? Oh yeah. And my mother would got so mad when she seen what I what what I got. She said, You spent your hard-earned money on this. Don't ever buy this stuff again. Of course I didn't listen. You know, I would run out <laughs> when I got extra money, you know. P.T. Barnum said a sucker's born every minute. Well, and I was I was the best. You know, Chuck, it's funny when you said the stuff you bought, because I was like, I was going to ask you, did you get your allowance that week or did you break a bank? Because uh, Yeah, no, I saved, up my, I saved up my allowance. I did extra chores. Oh, it was for a month. And then I took pop bottles back because back in those days, they were returnable where you could take it back to your grocery store and you get uh, so much money back, some change. So I had to scrounge together close to four bucks. 69 that was a lot of money it was like wow and, yeah that, that uh, was and four dollars got you that many that much stuff you know yeah. when i when i first ordered my very first mail order man uh my that same kid that i used to believe in everything he used to tell me he would say to me oh the monster goes it's huge you can tell it to do things it will follow you <laughs> this guy actually sold me a phantom meaning he sold the the company the ghost not the company i i think my friend suckered me into the ad 
And I used to take that ad and I would go to sleep with the comic book and I leave the page open to the ad. That's how much. That's why even today when I see the Honor House ad, yeah. even though it's not as well as the Melton Company or the Johnson Smith, because of the way it was and the way I kind of like, oh, my gosh, I couldn't go to sleep without putting the comic book open to that page. <laughs> and, and I memorized the ad. That's how bad I wanted the product. And my friend had ordered Columbia House Records and Tape where you get 11 records and tape, oh, 12 for yeah. one penny. Yep. And what happened, of course, in 1969, or not, not, this was more like 73, I think, when you got a, a collection letter in the mail, it's like, you're going to go to jail, man. <laughs> you know? And her his mother got a collection letter because obviously she didn't, you know, pay for anything because she didn't know about it. So she told my mom, if you order anything in the mail, be careful because they're going to put you in jail. Yeah, yeah. And my mom believe this so i wanted the monster goes real bad and i didn't understand why she kept telling me no no you can't because they'll keep sending you things and i'm like it's only a dollar mom <laughs> let me tell you it took a high fever of almost 102 for me to say i really want that and she felt sorry for me <laughs> finally i got the dollar man that was the very first mail order item i ever ordered but i gotta tell you man I struggled to get that sucker. Oh, yeah. I still have the original, by the way. As I've said it before that the head popped within the same day. I built it. But then I ordered the Melton Company, which is the one I still have in display to this day in perfect condition, 40-something years later. Oh, cool. You know, but yeah, that was my first mail order company. But I, I do know I remember that uh, whenever my grandfather had a little piggy bank with dimes in it, I sneak in the room and I turn the piggy bank over and go tick, tick, tick. And if I got five bucks, okay, one day I got like five dollars in dimes. I went to the Woolworth. It was actually a store, like a five and dime store called Wath, like A-W-A-D-S, Worth. It didn't say Woolworth, it said Wathsworth, whatever. Yeah. And man, for five bucks, I bought a Superman outfit, Ben Cooper. Yeah. I bought the Imagineers blood, uh, Vampire Blood. I bought um, some other stuff, but all together with the five bucks, I was able to get my entire shopping done. Isn't that something? Isn't that? <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Joke and only dream of those days. Well, five bucks to get all the shopping done. Yeah, that would that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> that would be real nice. Whoa. So, Joe, give us some input, man. Well, I was just kind of listening to what you guys are saying because, like, you know, I I don't know too much about. All the mail order stuff. So I was just playing the part of the uh, <laughs> the person listening to the podcast, man. Yeah, all, all that stuff's interesting, and it kind of makes me wish that I was, you know, a, alive during that, that time period. You know, fifties, sixties, seventies to enjoy some of the mail order because there there really wasn't that much that that I knew of in the eighties because I was still young yet. But you know, yeah. the closest thing that I knew about you know mail order was. You know, if you send in three UPC codes plus a dollar twenty-five, and you'll get a, you know, well, Kool Aid always had something or snack things that you know you could get a Kool Aid right, or a right. cup. If you send in five UPCs and two bucks, or you know, a lot of toy companies had that too, like GI Joe. But that was kind of like all that I really knew of of mail order stuff. And I tell you what, a lot some of that mail, some of that stuff from like the eighties and even early nineties goes for a lot of money because it was very rare, a lot of that mail order stuff. Like oh, if you find absolutely. the mail order G.I. Joe or He-Man figures or, or some of those those cartoon ones. Um, mm -hmm. And I've always liked to, and I, I, I'm i so mad. I, I passed up on it a few years ago at a, um, what the heck was that, a flea market. And it was, remember the old, they came out, I think in the early 80s. It was the plastic Kool-Aid pitcher jug with the, and it had the four smaller cups Oh. with the kool-aid guy yep i remember right they had the guy had him at the at a flea market and man he wanted like 30 bucks for the set and i've seen him on ebay for you know 10 15 bucks for the set in good condition and his were a little scraped up and all that but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I tell you what that's the kind of stuff that i remember but you know just listening to you guys you know yeah. makes me wish i was around on that time so i could oh, uh, yeah. enjoy the comics because now in the 80s when i what well, would have been around the late 80s, uh, probably about 89 going into 90, when I started getting into comics, I was buying back issue stuff at my local flea market. So I was buying stuff from, um, you know, 
from the 70s, basically, you know, Marvel comic stuff, you'd find it for a buck or two at a flea market. So then I, I was seeing all these ads in there. And then, you know, when I was buying stuff from the 60s, I'm seeing all these ads and I'm like, well, I can't order this stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, at the, at the time, there's no, you know, there's no internet. So you, you know, and for me, if I didn't find that the flea market or the comic shop, then, you know, that was it. Oh, yeah. I tell you, that was a very unique time. You know, it was a very, very cool time that we grew up in, you know, and, uh, yeah. you know, and uh, you know what I've been doing magic since about 1984, 1985. So I've seen, you know, from the kids parties and so forth. Now, years ago, I remember Spuds McKenzie was very popular when I first got into Oh, yeah. yeah, kids had all kind of spud stuff. Pogs were in. Uh, the one toy from the 80s, Joe, which I see is really, uh, you know, what the prices went up. If somebody has this toy, which uh, throughout the years I've actually performed at different birthdays and the kids would show me, look at this thing. It was the it was the Boglins, uh, the, those Boglin toys. What the heck is that? Yeah. If you search a, a toy, it's on eBay. Oh, now. Look, Bo- Boglin? Yeah, Boglins. It was... It was this little rubber creature. Well, it wasn't so small. It was in a cage. It was in a cardboard box. And uh, the, and oh, was, you know, I, I okay, I remember those. Yeah, yeah, and, I have one. and yeah, I have there, one. yeah, there was kids would show me at their birthdays when I'm saying they show up. Look at this Boglin. You know, this is 30 years ago, and I said, okay, yeah, that's nice. You know, it was a little toy. I didn't think anything of it. You could probably buy it at your heels for maybe fifteen dollars. I see those things go for three hundred, four hundred bucks now. You know? Yeah, I've seen them at my local secondhand toy shop for for pretty good amount of money, and, and not even in that good condition. Yeah, you know something, guys. What I'm going to tell you, this is what I think boils down to what the era and everything with toys is. And and Joe, you're not going to know this, but I'm sure Chuck remembers that back in grammar school, one very famous book, especially in English class, when you were in the fourth or fifth grade, that they wanted you to read was 1984. Oh, in sure. 19 the book 1984 I forgot who the author was but that is book that, promised is that George is that George Orwell I believe Yes it. George Orwell and it yeah. promised you a future of flying cars right. the world of tomorrow which was a topic that again in the 1960s I think when the famous world's fair it always had that theme on it early probably from the 30s actually of the world of tomorrow Right and what happened I think in the 1970s growing up Comic books were a way for young kids to immerse themselves, just like they do today with Minecraft and all that stuff. Right. They, they would immerse themselves into the comic book. And what comic book ads did was always promise you something beyond real. Right. So either you had magic cards that would give you power, you had monsters that you can control, or they were bigger than life. And the imagination of the kid was in fine tune since it was tuned through all the world of tomorrow ads and, and all the, cause I remember in the third grade or fourth, they showed me a movie and this, I'm talking about when it was a 16 millimeter projector that talked. Oh and yeah. It had a giant reel the size of, uh, it was, <laughs> I don't know how many, it was like only 10 minutes long, whatever, 15 minutes long. But you know what, Chuck and Joe, it, it would always show you the word. So it gave you this imagination. Right that went on to the comic books because when you read an ad like hypnotic control control the bodies of men and women right um or monster goes scare the daylights out of your victim it's always you overpowering your victim or uh you buy this karate course the deadliest man alive and yeah. you're gonna have they always promised you a life that was not real fictional oh, but it yeah. gave you Enough to run off of your imagination. Yeah. But I think what made the era such a great thing was that we as kids seeing all the surroundings, because a lot of people don't realize in the 1970s, New York City was in virtual bankruptcy. There was not a lot around. And what, you know, then people don't realize it. So it, life was very simple. Not everybody had a color TV. Only a few people out, out of 10 people, maybe two did. That's and, true. When you had or when you watch Sundays, you had didn't have VHS tapes. You can't really like if you either saw something you like, you were able to get an eight millimeter or super eight version in uh, you know black and white or color, but no sound. That right. you can play in your house. That's the only way you got to see that movie. So it left an era that the whole era was basically built on your imagination. Oh, absolutely. It took it took me and Chuck and people like us out of reality yeah into something that was 
very comfortable for our brain setting, meaning yeah. our brain was in tune with that out of reality touch and let us imagine, let us imagine things. Yeah, and it was, we was, able it to was order- an escape. You know, yeah, let, let us escape from reality. And escape. I think the thing that it did the most is, and the most that uh, most people bring this back, Chuck, and most people like this part about it is the fact that you waited the waiting moment between point A when you place the order and point oh, B. Oh, yeah. Got it. The, 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 that's something that people today always come back to me and thank me for giving mm-hmm. them that opportunity to go back to that, that time in their that's life. True. That's and, true. And, and that's where it comes in. That's right. Now, hey. one thing I, one oh, thing I wanted to tell here, uh, my friend Jim Gray, uh, should I say Jim? I, Jim and his, uh, and Charlie uh, both uh, probably did order some stuff. But I mean, I know Jim has told me, and I give him a shout out for this, that he ordered the bat. Now, I lost my bat. I have my original bat, but I lost my instruction somewhere. And Jim has been playing with my brain now for about, five six seven years saying it might be in his basement but he doesn't know so i i, I was going to hold him almost at gunpoint to make sure he finds <laughs> it uh, <laughs> but anyway i was able to recreate the original um instructions now when i'm saying original is the closest i remember to the original instructions for the vampire you control bat uh because i i was helped by ray castillas and you guys, we had Ray in our show one time. He's the biggest top stone mask collector probably in the world and the only authority. And he was able to draw out of his imagination what he remembers from the ad. And I was able kind of like to put together, you know, because nobody, very few people. In fact, it blows my mind that with the seven foot monster ghost and the Polaris submarine and the bat that I probably have the only ones in the world and that no one has one of these out there. I mean, I've looked and scattered eBay for almost 30 some years since eBay exists, and there's never been a listing for any of them, which is bizarre. Yeah. But anyway, that's that's what I thought I'd bring into the, the picture here is that what made the era so great was the imagination we were able to run off with based on ads that promised you a a, a something, promised you something. That was not true, but yet your brain was able to figure it out or put it together and, and make it to what you wanted oh, to be. Yeah. Hey, one quick thing I wanted to bring up, not to say that it changed the subject, but you mentioned about movies. Joe, I did watch Threads. and uh, Yeah, wow. what did you think of it? That was it a, stinks. That, that was a disturbing movie. I will never watch that again. <laughs> I told you, man, it is. Wow. Yeah, it, it's a tough watch. Like I said, especially if you could put yourself into the movie and, you know, if you've lived during that time frame in history, it's it's a tough wow. watch. It started off so nice. Everybody's yeah. happy. And then the United States got involved with Iran in a, in a nuclear type of thing. And, uh, wow, it showed afterwards, after the nuclear fallout. And it was horrible. Oh, my goodness. Toward the end there, that was about a two-hour movie, wasn't it? It was pretty long. Yeah. yeah. And my, well, same and my, thing. And my wife kept asking, when is this going to be over? When is that? So, so oh, did you want to Sherry watch it too? Yeah, most of it. She goes, I don't like this. I said, I don't like it either. But I probably yeah. I'd watch it. <laughs> oh, man. I told you, I, 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 had gotta... to watch, I had to watch it in, in, you know, two parts. And, you know, that, that was a, a BBC made for TV movie. So that was actually on TV over in England. Yeah. Well, you know something, guys? Let's be honest. BBC did not make any good stuff until like Benny Hill. Yeah. You got it. Like, that's one thing about British comedy. It's just different. Either you like it or you don't. Hmm. But one thing I'm going to tell you guys, that movie sucked big time. Now, <laughs> after the ending, after, I mean, in fact, I'll give it minus 10 stars in Rotten Tomatoes. But at the end, that part, it reminded me, I saw this movie, I think, probably 20, 30 years ago. I don't even know why I was watching it. But uh, it wasn't new to me when the lady was having the baby there, and that's where it just finished. Yeah. But the movie itself was just plain stupid. It was just plain, like, you know, not unrealistic, because it probably is a very realistic thing that I think most people really don't care for. Um, but I don't know who in the world had had the money even to do that film. Like, yeah, what were they like, thinking, man? It Did was they actually, have the same brain as Joe. 
<laughs> it was actually a hopeless movie. I mean, man, you felt really terrible through the whole movie. You know what it kind of reminded me of? Uh, the Grapes of Wrath, John Steinbeck. When you read that, it was like, whew. I mean, you can't get out of it. It's like, man. Yeah, you know, and they actually, um, re just reading up a little bit on the movie, is that, that the, the producers and all that, they actually conferred with, you know, experts on to say, hey, if this right. would, if, you know, nuclear war would happen, how would this look? What would this happen? You know, they they conferred with doctors and all that to say, you know, what would happen for this and that. So everything in it is very, you know, realistic. And even a lot of the critics at the time, you know, said, yeah, this is, this is very realistic that this is actually yeah. what happens. And this is why, because they, you know, they had a lot of onset, you know, help from all the experts out there. And oh, yeah, it, it's a tough movie to, yeah. to watch. I mean, it's, it's definitely, you know, a, a drama horror movie, Ooh. apocalyptic movie, but it's, yeah. But it, Joe, it's like a one watch and done, man. That's it. Yeah, but Joe, I'm going to tell you something. One thing about the movie that kind of also throws off, they're in England. Everything's based out of England, yet the war is in two other countries. And yeah. for some reason, they're, they're the ones getting all the hits. That didn't make kind of sense to me. But yeah, it's based on that. Because you know what, Joe? You didn't grow up. But in the 1970s, that's all they did during the Cold War. Oh, if there's a rush. And all the movies they did were the coming World War Three. And they always either, they always lived with people's fears. Yeah. And they also then there was the other segment in the early 70s, which wasn't as much as into war, the world of tomorrow. In fact, Walt Disney, uh, Epcot Center was based on the world of tomorrow. And right, it, the, right. the thing that's funny is up to this last year that I just went is when I think they changed the theme. When you used to ride the big ball in Epcot, that yeah. still had the theme from the 1970s. And I think it had like the Jetsons uh type of look and feel because when you got off the little cart it made you look like what you would look like in the world tomorrow i think you're riding like a jetsons car yeah from the jetsons you know so in reality that those themes sometimes stick around and and, and, they, and they rule for years and years oh yeah hey the next time you recommend a movie joe go for like maybe maybe like a scooby-doo movie or something or, yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah you know what joe no let's be honest joe the next time you do just don't yeah <laughs> Yeah, that was a very upsetting movie. Oh my god! Oh my god! But you know one thing about Joe, though. Joe is is an expert in his field. He is. No one can take that away from Absolutely. him because even though he probably hated the film, he still watched it because he's a compadre when it comes to that. Yeah. You know, he's crypt of classics, and remember, guys, <laughs> crypt of classics. It's uh, supposedly Joe's been working on an undercover uh, agenda right now for crypt of classics. And he's got this thing that he's going to bring out to the public soon. Uh -oh. uh, he hasn't wanted to tell me much about it because he says, you're going to like it. So whoever's listening out there, get ready for Joe, Ben, because Joe is going to put you. I, I, I'm putting it about, about two more years in the making. <laughs> 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 two or three more years in the making. But, hey, guys, we're coming down to the last. We got about six minutes here, so we're going to wrap it up with some final words. So, Chuck, we'll start off with you. Got some final words for us? Yeah, hey, it was always a pleasure coming back here. Great conversation. You know, check out the uh, check out the forums, check out the uh, YouTube videos. Uh, you know, we're constantly putting stuff on, and I'm in the process of putting 25-volume tutorial. We just filmed two more today. We're going to send them over to Eddie. We're up to number 11, I believe. We'll be getting into 12, so it's going to cover everything. So we're looking, we're looking forward to this. It's going to be a great uh, uh, magic tutorial of everything cards coins ventriloquism spooky magic horror magic it's going to be great awesome man great eddie what's your your final words for the audience out there well telling the audience and stuff is that the uh what the audience also needs to know out there is that joe does most of our writing uh joe is not only the core the the, the one that carries our show we thank him every day for all the effort he puts into our stuff, Absolutely. and he's phenomenal. Yep. This show wouldn't happen be without Joe and Chuck. So I wanted to actually thank you, Joe, for that, and I wanted also to tell you guys that, again, uh, the Magic Sets, they got them on cards already. I was kind of shocked that in, on Etsy, all four Magic available sets right now are in cards. We sold one, so I believe we're down. Actually, I was selling five, so I think we're down to four. Um so get it if because once it's gone, it's going to be gone. The other thing I was going to say is, uh, again, in Etsy, um, do you remember what's the name? Is it the House of the Secrets? 
Yeah, the House of Secrets is the name of the Etsy shop. Yeah. yeah. All in one word. Yeah. All in one word. And uh, look up that. And guys, don't forget to subscribe to Stupid Comics. They run a beautiful ad for us each and every month. And I think they're coming out with the latest issue pretty soon. That's stupid, S-T-O-O-P-I-D dot com. And you'll be able to order your latest issue. Also, Dave Harverside just is published recently a, a very, very, very famous book. Not a very famous book, but I'm saying it's a book about carnivals and circuses, I think. It's, it's, it looks like a pretty promising title and a nice book, and I think it's available in 1878, 1878 Press. And I'm sure David will be here in the next week or so. He'll be back with us and, um, and Joe and, and Chuck. That, that's about it. So thank you, everybody, for all you guys out there. So go ahead, Joe. You go now. Awesome. Well, thank you, Eddie, for the kind words. And we want to thank everybody out there for uh, joining us once again each and every week. New podcasts are out every Thursday, every week. Uh, we, we do our best to, uh, to put them out every week, something new and fresh, fun and exciting. If you want to be a guest on our podcast, you don't have to be an expert in anything. You just have to be, you know, passionate, you know, about what you like. You know, if it's if pop culture, mail order stuff, movies, comic books, toys, drop us a line. Let us know over on the, the website, houseoftheunusual.com, and we will get you on as soon as we can. And uh, also, yeah, just speaking of stupid, man, I'm going to put a, a little challenge out there to ski, man. Hey, hit us up on the forum site and let us know when's the new magazine coming out. And uh, maybe if you could give us a little sneak peek of the uh, what the cover is going to look like for this, that would be awesome. So we're challenging you, Ski. Give us a little sneak peek, man. We can't wait much longer. <laughs> and, you know, guys, also one final thing. I know that Dr. Saab Dr. has been telling us about the king. Uh, I heard that the Sea Monkey King, Mr. Todd Mitchin, has been kind of wondering why we're not doing part two to our live cast that we did about a few months ago about each of us showing off our novelties. And uh, Joe, get ready for it because I think it's going to happen soon. Yeah, that would be that would be great, man. We're yeah. definitely due for another one. So sounds good. Yeah. Hey, also, guys out there, the new issue of Scary Monsters is on. Uh, pre-order right now at mymoviemonsters.com it's issue number 125 the Heinlein Bradbury Bros and Block issue it is the monster memories issue uh, Scott Jackson knocks it out of the park again with his cover so make sure you head over there mymoviemonsters.com and you can also order it bagged and boarded for an extra dollar and um, it's definitely the best way to, to help out uh, scary monsters headquarters is to order it right from the website but if you can't do that you know check it out at your local bookstore usually the barnes and nobles and books a million all those good ones they have it for sale so uh also man hey sea monkeys what, what happened eddie we tried to get todd on tonight and i think he he bounced out of us right well, he first of all, he says he was choking some sea monkey that wasn't behaving right. <laughs> and I said, why are you doing He says, Eddie, I'm in the middle of this. I'm going to take care of this guy, you know, because anything you guys got to understand, anything that Mr. Todd does, if you question it in any way, how shape or form, you might wind up like the guillotine guy from Famous yeah, Monsters. He was laying down some some good discipline on some yeah, exactly, yeah. sea monkeys. But, hey, you know, he's got a great site at c-monkeys.com. And there's a very cool 2022 calendar up there where he, he did all the layouts and artwork for it. It's absolutely beautiful. They have a puzzle up there. Tons of different uh, – oh, I see they added the invisible goldfish which is really cool. And if you guys have been a follower of our podcast, man, you know, we've, we've talked about the invisible goldfish for a long time. And I'm going to read real quick here, just a little blurb that they have on it. Cause it's a new product. So after 55 years, the trans science invisible goldfish kit is back in all of its invisible glory. The colorful box set comes with a small fish bowl, artificial aquarium plant, gravel substitute. So, or no substrate box of special food, do not feed sign, double-sided instruction sheet, one side for public viewing and the other side for your eyes only. And, of course, your very own invisible goldfish, guaranteed never to be seen. Um, <laughs> quantities of this initial edition of Invisible Goldfish 2.0 are currently limited, so order yours today. 
Uh, they have it for sale for 30 bucks, and, and it is an absolutely beautiful set. So head over to c-monkeys.com and get yours before it turns invisible. So, yeah, well, Chuck, that- Eddie, thanks a lot for joining us. Our time is up for this week, and see you guys next week. Well, okay. really quick, remember, guys, you will get nothing in return for your invisible goldfish. That's <laughs> You'll get nothing at all. Take care now. Bye. We'll see you guys. God bless. Take care. Bye. God bless.